2: Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking 3rd, the CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports, joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, NWSL analyst and broadcaster for CBS Sports. On today's episode, we're chatting all things United States women's national team. USA defeat Germany 2-1, snap their three-game losing streak. There's a lot we got to chat about though about how they got to this win. Thanks to everybody. If you're joining us live, we appreciate it. As always, download and follow us wherever you get your podcast and subscribe to us on YouTube so you never miss out whenever we go live. A win, a win, a win. A win. It's a win, Lisa. We're chatting dubs.
1: Uh, a win. It was um a little nerve-wracking there, right? The United States has never lost four straight matches in a row they were they were looking at that right when this first whistle went off uh honestly staring down the barrel of the gun at that history not good history making in that sense and they snap it and it was a convincing way to do it i I know we're going to dive all into it but um I think United States fans are feeling much better after this second match against Germany than perhaps they were after the loss to Spain, loss to England, and first loss to Germany. Because they snap it, US are, are back on the winning streak. They they look to have a little bit more swagger, a little bit more mojo in them, especially towards the end of the game. Alex Morgan gets her 200th cap in this match. Uh, there's a lot of positives to talk about. Definitely some things that they've got to shine and clean up before the World Cup. Because hey, th- this was the last of big friendlies. Before they they head off there, just a couple more. But these were the big ones.
2: You know, it's um, we were chatting a little bit in our our recap slash preview of the the you know the game that took place on on Thursday, and in the in the look ahead to this one, we were just like, <laughs> not a lot of answers at the moment that were that we were seeing to so many of the questions that are being that yeah. were being presented over the last um, uh, over the last couple of games for for. For this team against the oppositions like like england spain and obviously now now germany and i was a little curious if you know if we were going to see any sort of you know drastic changes or you know some type of dramatic all like adjustments that were going to be made in this one but we we didn't see that. Like maybe that's where we start. Right. We, we started that way when we previewed or excuse me, when we did the recap of the loss on Thursday. So let's go ahead and start with the starting lineups uh, for for this game. Lisa, when when this United States starting lineup dropped, did anything stand out for you? We saw a list or a net. Emily Fox, Becky Sabro, Naomi Girma, Sophia Huerta, Andy Sullivan, Rose Lavelle, Lindsay Horan, Sophia Smith, Alex Morgan, and Mallory Pugh tasked in the starting lineup once more. A couple of, of changes, but not a ton. I think just two swaps, two rotations that we saw in this one. What stood out for you? Yeah, I mean, the two rotations,
1: uh, Alyssa Nair and Goal slotting in for Casey Murphy, who played full 90 minutes of the first game. Um, I, I love that swap. I mean, initially, when we previewed the first of these pair of friendlies, we said that Alyssa Nair was going to be in goal. That didn't happen. We got Murphy. But now we got Nair back in there. Um, and I think that's good because this is high competition and high-quality competition against a German side. And at this point, I think it's safe to say that Alyssa Nair is the United States' number one goalkeeper. And to get Casey Murphy minutes is good. To call AD Franch back into these camps, a player that has played internationally for the U.S. before, is good. But you you want Nair to play in these high high-caliber games, and that's what we saw from her. And frankly, throughout the 90 minutes, uh, we we got a high-caliber cali- goalkeeper. And I, I know we're going to dive into that. We're just talking starting lineups. But she played – like the United States starting goalkeeper. And and that's what you want. The confidence from her um, to give her these 90 minutes to to get the win. It's not a shutout, but it's a win. Uh, to face some pressure, to have to deal with the front line in front of her. And then the uh, the only other change that black made, he he did not start Alana Cook, and instead it was Becky Sauerbrunn along Naomi Gurma. I love this pairing. I like this pairing. I, I do. I mean, the fact that Gurma gets to start so well-deserved um, one of my players of the match for sure in this game with the United States, she played lights out. It was constantly Gurma got the stop. Gurma stepped in. Gurma made the pass and broke lines. She played so, so well. So that swap, I think – uh, having Gurma playing alongside Sauerbrunn. I, I like that pairing. I like it a little bit more than the Cook pairing. Um, uh, Cook with Gurma pairing that comes in and, and Sauerbrunn and Cook. No, I, I like Gurma back there and I like it with Sauerbrunn. Not at all surprising to see that the front six attackers stayed the same with Sullivan, Haran, Lavelle, and then Pew, Morgan Smith up top. I, I mean, we know that the consistency is something that Vlako is trying to do and he's trying to uh, – gain that consistency, especially with Pugh Morgan Smith and they, they struggled against Germany. They had a lot of movement off ball in the first match. And so now I think this is a good way for them to learn and grow as a front three and a front six, because they can really dissect what they did against Germany the first time and turn that back around in the next couple of days. But um, frankly, I loved the two changes for black on Now, he, he didn't really make many changes in this match until the very end of it so it was that was literally just the two <laughs>
2: that's
1: really what surprised me throughout this game but i mean starting out i i liked the initial changes we saw what about you
2: yeah I mean look uh, uh Alyssa Nair is is who she is i, I mean i'm what? i'm always the person that's sort of like why is this even still a talking point in 2022? in terms of the the goalkeeper position. Alyssa Nair is the the number one starting goalkeeper for the United States Women's National Team. And that hasn't changed uh, for, I think, anybody on the coaching staff or on that team since 2019 or even before, but specifically during that 2019 um, World Cup. I think watching her play in a game like this you saw all the reasons why or were, or, you know, we're reminded why, you know, she's as, as to why she's the number one. So don't get it twisted, you know, even with the rotations, even with the looks, even with um, goalkeepers coming in and coming out, uh it's for ob- it's obvious mm-hmm. now more than ever to me that it's just for evaluation purposes um and for the experience like we've heard from this coaching staff yeah. throughout the duration of 2022 um but that goalkeeper spot is Alyssa uh, Nair's, uh hands hands down so it was you know good to see her come in to to get the start in in this game and i love that she was uh you know behind that duo of of, of Sauerbrunn yeah. and and Cook um you know, I, I'm not too sure if moving forward, there's going to, you know, we're going to continue to see uh, different combinations at that center back duo.
1: Oh, can't hear you, Sandra. So I agree. I mean, I think the center back duo is it. it I, I, you said you might want to see rotation in there. You think we will see more rotation between like Sauerbrunn and, and Gurma and Cook and whoever else can rotate in
2: there? I mean, maybe. I, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't doubt if we continue to see some more at the center-back duo, but some rotation there. But I, I think moving forward, uh, it, if it really is about cohesiveness, at one point you're going to have to sort of solidify that moving yeah. moving forward. So, um, again, we saw this 2022 that was impacted a lot by, by injury, uh, players out on maternity leave. We've heard that over and over and over. So to see this final game with this final start go to somebody like germa and then go to somebody like Sarah. and i thought it was a little bit revealing i i think if nothing else has come out of this 2022 or these last handful of games specifically naomi germa is a revelation uh i don't know if she's the answer but she's at what she's
1: yeah, I mean I think Gurma is uh, fantastic as well. she I honestly said, I want a Gurma jersey for for Christmas. Like that, that's I'm writing that on my Christmas list. Um, so I, I like that that she's getting time and getting consistent minutes and um that, that she is solidifying her spot in that back line. Now Tierna Davidson will should be back for January camp selection. I don't know how that really throws a ripple effect in this, but I think that Gurma's a lock in the center back position. And I think I think that Sauerbrunn is still that lock in that position. I mean, yes, it's good that Cook got position and and minutes, especially in the the first match against
2: Germany, but I like Sauerbrunn and Gurma better. I I don't hate it. I mean, I, I again I just there's still gonna be some things that have to be solidified. I, I know we've heard this coaching staff talk a lot about. Rotating in injured players, I know folks are, um, you know, going to be curious to see what something like a Girma alongside Davidson could even look look like. But that's one of those injured players that has to get, you know, not only back into camps, but get back up to speed in terms of you know fitness and and timing in terms of uh, you know actual game you know match day minutes. So I think there's still some undetermined things here. In in these two specific, um, you know, you know, left, whether it's the left or or right center back positions that this coaching staff is still going to try to iron out in 2023. But I think for the first time in a little while now, there's a certain level of depth that comes into play in this particular position. And that, I think, can only be a, a good type of problem for yeah. the coaching staff heading into heading into 2023. But um, in terms of those two actual adjustments for this game, eventually we had a kickoff. Eventually this game got going. And I don't know, Lisa, it, it felt a little uneasy at times. Let's talk about it. A goal coming in the 18th minute of the first half in this match. Did it make you feel anxious? Did it make you feel <laughs> nervous? Did it make you feel worried? Talk to me about this first. Time. Yeah, I mean, I think that the emotions the
1: first twenty minutes of this this game for for me watching on my couch were a little bit of a roller coaster because as as this match guy. Kicked off the first seven, eight, nine minutes. Germany controlled a lot of it—the momentum, the tempo, the possession. It was U.S. being put on their heels. Um, uh, uh, we talked about Germa and how much of a lock she is at center back in the opening six or seven minutes of this match. Naomi Germa had two incredible slide tackles and sliding defensive plays that saved the United States. She came in and she prevented opportunities that Germany had um, and, and couldn't take advantage of because Gurma was the one standing in their way. But the opening seven, eight minutes were a lot of Germany and the United States having to organized defensively and be on the back heel and be put under that pressure and I, I think it's it's good to be put under that kind of pressure and that's why the United States is playing against a top three team um, one of the best teams in the world in, in this German side who we got to see Pop starting in the front. We we got to see Overdorf in the midfield. Magul come in later in this match. I think the rotation from Germany also uh, was a bit of a question mark for the United States and it wasn't the same lineup that they went with on Thursday. So defensively you have to be uh cautious of of where the marks are especially when you have alexander pop running around in that front line but after i think like the eight minutes it, it evened out a little bit in terms of possession the united states then finally were able to get their foot on the ball control it a little bit there was um a, an opportunity gurma actually with a great opportunity with a long ball over the top to haran um it, it was not a great first touch by haran but that there were moments where the United States were getting their head up, connecting those passes, getting in behind Germany's back line. But the the goal for Germany, um, coming in the 18th minute defensively, it was a, a bit of a, a uh, shambles. That's was what a lapse. That, was a lapse. That's what caused me angst. I was like, how are we making these mistakes? I mean as as Germany's sending the cross in, it is 4v5. Four German attackers against five American defenders, and that's not good enough. That is not good enough. The United States needs to have more people behind the ball. Emily Fox initially gets caught up a little bit higher. She looks to jump on the ball, and she doesn't end up getting it cleanly. So then they send that through ball in, and so they're in behind on Emily Fox's side, the, the right side for the German attackers and as the cross comes in the the US can't clear it either right they they get pieces of it and a, a wide open player at the penalty kick put punishes them um but the the lack of recovery and defensive organization for the united states was very worrisome to me in, in watching that now i think that the response we saw from the united states was better than the response that they had in the first match against Germany when Germany scored first, because you have to remember German, Germany went up both times in the United States in these friendlies, which I think puts the United States in a great position to learn about how to respond to that.
2: No, I'm with you. I I was looking for, um, I was just looking for a response, you know, like, okay, you conceded that, that first goal, what's going to be the response. I thought it was a semi-decent response. I, yeah. You know, I, it it also wasn't too unfamiliar from that game on Thursday between these two sides. I, I, I liked what we saw in the first half, you know, out of Lavelle. I liked that we saw a little bit of continuity coming out of Thursday into this Sunday match with somebody like Mal Pugh still trying to, to get on the ball, still trying to make things happen. And um, obviously we didn't see the, the payoff until the, the, the second half, but even just sort of ticking past that, that half hour mark for this team, you really, you started to see something. So the, the first mm-hmm. half, you're talking closing out this first half again, in terms of the opportunities in, in, in each final third, what, five shots a piece at, at halftime for both of these teams, No shots on target for the United States, but one shot on target for Germany. So I'm not too sure if you can make an argument that, you know, one team outplayed the other in that first half. But obviously the margins for error are small. When you start getting into these types of games between, you know, the, the number ranked number one through 10, it gets very, very narrow. So we saw Germany take advantage of that. Right. So going into second half or going into halftime with this one zero leap, but even within this final 15 minutes of this first half, sort of, again, these threads and trends from uh yeah. Thursday's game where there were opportunities in the box, but just, it sort of felt like that final touch yeah. or that final finish was just missing. And you're, it was like, yeah. yeah. Sort of waiting for
1: it at one point. Yes, like a lack of ruthlessness on the United States end or or like those touches were just off a little bit. I know there were a handful of volleys that went over the crossbar. Um, and, and yeah, they're really hard to do, but also like those are the technical moments. I, I talked about the long ball from Gurma over the top into Haran. And the first touch from Haran isn't clinical enough, and that's what gets her in behind. It's it's those tiny moments in the United States attacking end that that is the reason they're not getting more shots on goal right I mean you just dropped that stat I think there was another stat out there that in the last three games uh before this second Germany friendly the United States only had seven shots on goal over three matches against England Spain and the first match against Germany so the The clinicalness and the ruthlessness in front of the goal is something that almost concerns me a little bit um, because they were getting their chances. They uh, and and then the attacking moments that the United States was moving quickly in transition in that first half. It was the front three: Pugh, Morgan, Smith, and then Lavelle leading, uh, coming in behind. But it was there was gaps, there was spacey gaps we saw defensively from the United States, and then in the attacking end too, where the entire team wasn't connected on the field and they left really open holes for Germany to to push through. And I think when we talk about the ruthlessness, one of the players that comes to mind that is Alex Morgan, because we talked about it in the first match. She's the one that forced the lone goal for the United States against Germany in her high counter press, winning the ball back and sending it in. I, I took note that Alex Morgan was winning so many defensive headers on corner kicks, on set pieces, on six yarders. She was at least getting stuck in, but now how do, how does that translate into the attacking end? And it's being more clinical on those finishes.
2: It it's it was tough to watch for some stretches of this game because there's we see these players and we sort of recognize what they're good at right but mm-hmm. within the current system you're just looking at a player like Morgan and and seeing the work that she's doing or whether it's somebody like a Haran and what is being asked of this uh, that player in terms of like not being able to to see the impact. Despite still getting good uh, looks in the final third, right? Uh, So I just, I was just curious if, like, going into second half with this, with this sort of added layer now of a must win, that that was also kind of a little bit, I'm smiling when I say it, but it was also a little bit funny for me too, because it's just what should have been just a pair of friendlies to, to close out. The calendar year. All of a sudden, this last one had this like ridiculous <laughs> do, or do or die, do or die to it of like a must win. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like how did how did everybody, you know, get here? Like how did how did how did this whole team um, get here? My goodness, Alex Morgan at one point in in, in pregame availability saying like, we're not going to be the team where it's four games, you know. So, so it's just yeah. like uh, energy, right? The energy is coming in into this one. So. To sort of see this uh, this first half kind of close out the way that it happened, you know, down a goal, still narrow, still a game that you can get after. Yeah. What was it going to look like in the second half? Were we going to see substitutions? Were we going to see in-game formation adjustments? What were we going to see out of this team? We're going to talk about what we saw in the second half right after a quick break.
3: Selling a little or a lot. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
0: Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey from launching and managing. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash cbs sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash cbs sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands.
2: We saw in the second half, Zero substitutions made for the United States women's national team. Lisa, tell me about your immediate thought and reaction to that going into this second half. Let's let's build it back up. Hello to everybody. If you're joining us live after our break here, one zero United States women's national team entering this second half. No substitutions made at the half. Were you pleased with that? Were you okay with that? I wasn't too surprised, right? it's It's only
1: forty five minutes. I feel like a lot of times we see those substitutes coming in around the sixtieth minute mark. and and there that's something that Vlachhodanovsky, head coach of the u s. team, has talked about that. He wants these players to problem solve themselves on the pitch, and that me—that's that's the beauty of soccer, where there are no timeouts, where why there isn't that many substitutions. You can't be talking tactics, sending players in. It, it's a very unique sport in that sense. So the fact that there were no subs at halftime, I wasn't that surprised about it because this is a, a team that had a very good response, I think. I mean, a a good response after they conceded that opening goal in the 18th minute. They didn't get their heads down. It was a very different response than the first game when Germany scored first and then after the United States scored in that first match and then they conceded again four minutes later. So initially the response from the second 25 minutes of the first half was good. There were chances, there were opportunities. And so because of that, Blacko Anonofsky has to look at that and say, okay, we can't make too many changes and shake it up because this team needs to figure this out. They they need to be able to problem solve themselves on the pitch, especially when you look at some of the younger players. I mean, Mallory Pugh has a lot of experience, but she's still a younger player. And Sophia Smith, incredibly young player that has experience at the club level is coming off of a huge MVP NWSL season, but how is she converting those opportunities, those breakaways, those man up opportunities into goal scoring opportunities? Uh, how was the midfield able to move the ball quicker? So I, I liked that there wasn't any subs at the 45 minute mark. Now, 60 minute mark came and there was still no subs. And that's when I was kind of like, okay, like they don't look tired. Like it wasn't like, wow, this team is exhausted. But I I think that that was an opportunity to get a little bit more rotation in purely to give players that have been called into camp minutes. I mean, we talked about it in uh, after the first match. Uh, Sam Coffey. I wanted to see her get a lot more minutes and a lot more time. And we didn't see her in this match. I think Trinity Rodman is another player that I wanted to see get more time and get more minutes um, against this high level competition. And we didn't see that happen. So those were some things that I I wasn't really circling at halftime. I didn't think that we'd maybe see them at half, but um, uh, I initially like to roll out with the same 45, it was like, yeah, let's see how you continue to go at this team and, and how you convert those chances
2: no I'm with you I, I wasn't surprised to not see any substitutions made at the half but I still wanted to see them and that's what I'm and I guess that's sort of what I'm what I'm asking you I still would have liked to have to have seen something coming out of of that of that locker room and and maybe you know what came out of that locker room was a little bit of a different sense of of urgency mm-hmm. uh in terms of this you know a final 45 minutes to um, say something with this game for, for this team, for this particular collection of players, you know, on, uh, as part of this camp. And we saw some good stuff in, in that opening 10 minutes or so, um, you know, from, from the United States women's national team. I, I thought that in terms of comparing half to half, I thought Andy Sullivan had a much better second half than she did first half I thought she had a much better second 45 minutes than she did over these two games period mm-hmm. um maybe that was because of the adjustment that we saw you know just in terms of positioning on on the pitch allowing Haran to to do more um you know as as an eight versus you know right watching Sullivan kind of looking to to win the ball but is really who someone who's actually like really good in distribution so like the sl- even the slightest the slightest of adjustments in positioning i th- i thought paid dividends for yep. this team and
1: and, um, and jumping off of that i I agree. I think Andy Sullivan had a very good second 45 minutes, much better than we've seen her play. And so, yes, part of me is like, I would have loved to see Sam Go- Coffey get 45 minutes with this team. But the fact that Black kept Andy Sullivan in there, kept faith in her, perhaps it was something said in the locker room at halftime. And now it gives her that opportunity to grow and to get better. Because going forward, he needs a six that's going to play 90 minutes in, in the World Cup. You'd you- you're not looking at a six that you rotate out at 45 minutes?
2: I, um, I, look, I think when, when we're starting to get into these goals, it, which happened just, a, you know, about 10 to 15 minutes into this second half, we had to bring up a Nair again in, mm. in this moment. Um, it sort of felt at times, not just during this game, but perhaps in, in some of these these final handful of games, the the vision, was was missing in in some of these games and who's going to have more vision I think in these moments than your goalkeeper and I don't know if if that's going to make anyone feel better about this team that your um, your last line of defense is also the thing that sort of sparks offense but Alyssa Nair coming up with a massive save and then just sort of quarterbacking and spearheading an attack sort of kind of rejuvenated this team a little bit. Uh, Lindsay Horan almost getting on the end of a really good delivery from Sofia Huerta defended away briefly, incredibly briefly because here comes the United States back the other way. And they finally get the equalizer. Let's talk about this goal a little bit. Lisa. What were you feeling when you saw this go
3: down?
1: Yeah, I think that the time codes of these are huge. I, of course, was taking notes watching this game. Um, I have 51st minute great attack from the United States. I have a little bit of details about it. That was the the where to cross that came in, and it was curling around Germany's back line. And there were three United States attackers, completely unmarked, Haran, Morgan, Fox, all looking to get on the end of it. They're just a little bit out of reach. But that was when I was like, OK, something's coming because they, they were – composed in the box, not giving it up, not giving sloppy passes away, which they had been doing in the last 90-plus minutes from last match into the first 45 minutes of this game. So that's the moment I knew that something's happening here. I have 53rd minute. Alyssa Nair, huge stop and save. It was a 2v1 getting past Naomi Gurma, and Nair comes out top of the box and makes this incredible, incredible save. And it's those moments when a goalkeeper keeps your team in a game and and doesn't let that hole when you're down one nil get any bigger that gives players a jolt and an attack and we saw that because 53rd minute was the huge save 54th minute was the goal from Sophia Smith the equalizer Um, it, it wasn't the most clinical on her behalf it was off a throw in a little give and go between Smith and Rose Lavelle And Sophia Smith, we've seen her do it in the NWSL. Get the ball on her foot. She dribbles through defenders. She can cut and slice and dive. And then she gets an opportunity. She tried to do that. Germany got their foot in there. They poked it free. And the ball lands in front of Smith. It it wasn't the the most technical dribbling that we've seen from Smith. But it was was a good bounce. And it landed in front of her. And she took her opportunity. I, I think that that's something that we hadn't seen from this United States team, taking advantage of sloppy defense of our opposition and punishing them. And Sophia Smith does it in that moment and does it, it does it brilliantly. The celebrations from the team were exactly what you needed to see. And coming off a goal from Smith, a player that uh, had chances throughout the game, but I think that we had more chances coming from someone like a Mallory Pugh.
2: This is, um, for me, it was like watching – it was like watching two completely different halves. Completely. Like, honestly, it just – you saw it at least in the opening 30 minutes, like, not to put, like, a big number on it, but it just sort of felt like – it was just sort of clear that, like, this team has been operating in this four through three, and and they're trying to do more without the ball. But it's Mm -hmm. like we saw in this second half this team get on a press – And apply that high pressure and sort of see what it produced for them against a team like Germany in this second half. I think it goes without saying we also have to know that for Germany... They made their rotations. We saw a complete goalkeeper rotation yep. in this game. We saw two uh, different goalkeepers, you know, in the first compared to the second half Lena Overdove had to come out of the match due to an injury. You had somebody slotting in like Lena McGull. Um, Just some different things that this German side had to deal with that were maybe a little bit different from the United States. I think, removing somebody like an Overdorf is, is going to be massive, yeah. Yeah. you know, for, for United States trying to, to capitalize on something like that, but that's not to take away from this kind of relentless press that we saw from this team. And I love that Smith gets this goal and she's having this performance and she has this goal coming off of an incredibly long NWSL mm-hmm. season. I mean, going all the way to the final with the Portland Thorns, you know, winning dual MVP of of, of the league and of the final, um, and you know, probably tired. Honestly, like just putting yeah. it out there. That's like that's a long season. That's a lot of minutes on your legs. I don't care, you know, what age you are. Everyone's like, but she's a younger player. But you know, it's it's tiring. And then you're asked to to sort of commit to to this this press. And then this is and then this is what happens. So I love that she got the the equalizer. Love that she immediately ran to that bench and, and hugged a player like, like Megan Rapinoe. It sort of just felt like you could tell that this team came out of the locker room having after probably having some words with each other, yeah. you know, and, and wanting to see some different results in this second half, which is probably why we saw just a mere minutes later the go-ahead goal by Mallory Pugh. And we're talking mm. a lot about these young players and – people are, are are reacting to what maybe they saw as something like experience or leadership from Pew in a game like tonight i believe she was named mvp coming out of of this game um but all that tells me is that people aren't watching the chicago red stars that's all <laughs> it tells me call want, them out call them yeah, out you need to watch mal pew in nwsl because despite her you know her 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 age and her youth in this team she's a player that has sort of commands and demands excellence from her teammates. You know, she's this type of player who can both be collaborative and be the type of player that can create her own shot. But because of that, needing to sort of go ahead and command that sort of same energy, from her teammates around her. So it's not, it was not surprising to me as someone who's like watched a lot of games locally to sort of see that from yeah. this player. Cause she's done it in the league and it doesn't, it didn't surprise me to see it on an international stage against uh, yeah. like Germany. Exactly.
1: She's doing it uh, pretty consistently in the NWSL with Chicago. And and the fact that this goal comes um, the game winner, it ends up being 2-1 is the final for the United States from Mallory Pugh just two minutes after Smith gets the equalizer. And and you talked about the Red Stars. And this is a, a near assist, I'm going to say a hockey assist, coming from Alyssa Nair, the goalkeeper, also plays for the Chicago Red Stars. It's it's a big kick from her. Um, it then gets to Andy Sullivan. And this is where I'm talking about that, that Andy Sullivan played a better second half because – too often we see Andy Sullivan just making a rinky-dink five-yard, ten-yard pass where there's a time and a place for that. But in this moment, Sullivan gets her head up and she sees that it's Alex Morgan and Mallory Pugh against two German defenders. Yes, that ball should be in over-the-top every single time and Sullivan is the one that plays it in and between Pew and Morgan they cause so much chaos that Germany can't clear it out Mallory Pew picks the pocket and she goes at it herself it's essentially a 2v2 that very very quickly becomes a Mallory Pew against the goalkeeper um it, it we saw her get in these positions before and sometimes she doesn't make her angle as well even in the first match against germany there were chances that she should have could have scored this goal and she passed it off and tonight she was selfish she takes this shot goalkeeper does get a touch on it but it's struck hard enough it's towards the center of goal It, it finds the back of the net immediately alex morgan is jumping and celebrating and that is the double goal response that the united states needs to have And whatever was said in the locker room, they need to bottle that up. They need to take with them going forward because that was a relentless team. That was a team that was going to be ruthless in front of goal and finish their chances and put high pressure on and move the ball quickly from goalkeeper to defensive mid to number nine striker. I mean, that's, that's beautiful. That's how you break lines against a team that's putting a high
2: pressure up. I thought we could have seen a couple more. Yeah, we should have. Uh, You know, like you said, Lisa, to uh, go back to to the start of this second half, asked if you were surprised by lack of, uh, you know, substitutions. And no, you weren't, nor nor was I, because what have we seen? We've typically seen subs coming in at the, at the hour mark. So we, we did see some subs come into this game. I thought at one point, maybe now that, you know, Pugh or Smith got a goal that those were the players that would maybe come out at the hour mark. Maybe you keep this up. Maybe you bring in... Who do we want to see? A uh, Nasty Sanchez, yeah. a Trinity Rodman. Trinity Rodman. Right? I wanted to see Rodman at the 60th minute. We wanted to see that, but we did not. We did not get that in in, in this game. But they they kept going. They ext- extended extended minutes for for Smith and for Pew. Uh, listen, uh, we also said this in in the previous recap of Sunday night that when we saw that starting eleven roll out on on Thursday, excuse me, Thursday night, where this as of right now that is the preferred front line for, mm-hmm. for Danofsky. we were we're watching smith we're watching pew we're watching morgan and that trio trying to go ahead and generate the offense for this team but with the go ahead goal last game of the of 2022 i thought hey maybe we'd see some things some some different things or some different looks in these moments and in terms of how the remainder of this game played out. Did you want to see somebody get swapped in sooner? Uh, you know, did you want to see somebody come in throughout this game to, to have a little bit of, of an impact just to see what they can do? Tell me what you
1: thought. Yeah, I did. I, I mean, I wanted to see Trinity Rodman come in earlier. I think they showed her warming up and then it was like four minutes of stoppage time. And in the 95th minute, she was like, lining up. I was like, come on, Blacko. You're going to give her more than 10 seconds here, but uh, he didn't, and she ended up actually never even getting in. She didn't get minutes. She doesn't get a cap for this match, but this... I wanted to see her come in a little bit sooner because I think that in in future matches for the United States, they're going to sub that front line. You, you are. And we did see interesting subs, not interesting subs come in, but like Christy Mios came in for Andy Sullivan. Like, why isn't Sam Coffey doing that? Like, that's those are the questions I have. We've seen Christy Mios play that defensive six role one time earlier this year and it, it didn't do anything for me. We saw Taylor Korniak then come in for Alex Morgan as a number nine. Is Taylor Corniak really going to play up that high? Like uh, maybe as a withheld nine, but that was something that was also a little bit interesting to me. And then Haley Mace, a, a, a a defender historically with the United States women's national team comes in for Sophia Smith. And she's the player that's brought in to, to put on a high press against Germany, to win the ball back higher, maybe to really kickstart that defense and play a bit more of a defensive role higher up the pitch. So that, that's where I was like, this is so interesting. Like put in Rodman, Rodman can run for days up top. Um, and I think that, if if Rodman were to come in, say around the 60th, even 70th, 75th minute mark, I, I could have seen her taking out Sophia Smith. Smith had gotten a goal at this point. Um, Pew was still getting good breakaways, good chances. Pew looked incredibly fresh, even at 85 minutes of this game, I was like, you are just running. She is another one that could have had at least another two goals, I'm going to say, throughout this match. So I think Rodman is one that I I really would have liked to see get in. Sam Coffey, perhaps, in the midfield. But um I, I was pleased with how Andy Sullivan grew into the game. But, I mean, that's my biggest one. I think Trinity Rodman and give her some minutes up
2: top. All right. Well, we, we chatted a little bit about individual performances. We sort of, you know, close out the game in terms of the first and versus the first half versus the second half um, said that Malpew was, was named fans voted for her as his MVP of this match for, for you. Is there, is, do you agree with that? Or are you giving the MVP to somebody else in, in a game like this? I mean, I think
1: Mallory Pugh is a good pick. I mean, that's a, it's most often a forward, if You're asking me my opinion on MVP, it's Naomi Gurma. It's you're yeah. asking my opinion. That's why I'm on this podcast, and I love it. I think it should have been Naomi Gurma. I think if you mm-hmm. look at, at at this game and how many big stops she made, how composed she was, how she kept the United States in this game, offensively breaking lines defensively, one v one sliding in. her positioning was fantastic. I mean, it's Gurma all day. Even if you couple the games, right, from the first match to this match, I think Gurma still played well in the first match. And and this one was even better. I mean, Naomi Gurma is my MVP for this match and for the pair of friendlies, honestly.
2: I'm with you. Uh, listen, we talk about it all the time. Lisa, we love defense on this show. We love to talk about the, the center back specifically. We, we always try to show love to the keepers as well. Um, I, I'm with you. This was just another... Confirmation for me. and That's probably how we should close it out. I mean, we. I I feel like we started the top of this episode talking about the starting 11s, seeing somebody like Girma getting that second consecutive start, and then having another game that she just had against Germany. I thought some really good showings to close out 2022. And this is a player. This is a player that got integrated with this team. Mid-year, you know, all of, all of the injuries that we've been talking about, all of, uh, you know, the rotation, the players that we've had to see kind of come into these player pools because of those injuries. Germa was one of those players. She ended up uh, getting inserted into this, into these camps uh, during those June friendlies just ahead of the CONCACAF W championship and has not missed a step with this team ever since. No, she hasn't, and I think that it's so –
1: It's so impressive to see the growth of this player. I mean, MVP, uh, like rookie of the year uh, defender of the year in the NWSL it's she's definitely my MVP for this. Um, And and this is how the United States closes out their 2022, right? They they end on a high, a two, one win over Germany. um, And now they look ahead to next year, which is a world cup year. And they do play a pair of friendlies in January against New Zealand in New Zealand. The first time the United States will travel to New Zealand, but Um, I think that it's important to reflect on this match and how the United States closed out this year, because it was a trying year for this team with injuries that they faced with different players coming in and out with the competition that they faced. But um, so many fans talk about why is the United States playing Uzbekistan? Why are they playing Colombia? Why aren't they always playing teams like England, Spain, Germany, top ranked teams, but this this year, they did. They played against England. They played against Spain in, in, in Europe. And then they played against Germany, number three-ranked team right now at home. And there was a lot of questions asked of this United States team. And I think that is exactly what they need to do heading into a World Cup year. Uh, this fall was perhaps the best World Cup preparation that the United States has ever had heading into a World Cup year. Um the United States has not played four straight friendlies against a top 10 ranked team with all games at home since the spring of 2012. Um it, this fall schedule also represents the first time since 2009 that the United States had faced the European champion right after the tournament. That was in Eng- that was England. Um the United States and Germany are both the only two teams that have held the number 1 spots in the FIFA rankings since that ha- the FIFA rankings have been out for women in since 2003 so the competition against the United States and Germany are, are two of the top teams in the entire world and and usually leading into a world cup year uh, right now is CONCACAF tournament usually, but because of how the Olympics and the pandemic, like the ripple effect of scheduling is still happening. And because of that, there's been a lot of downsides to everything that has happened. But because of that, the Euros were being were able to be played this year. CONCACAF happened for qualifiers in July. The European qualifiers happened earlier this year. So it opened up the FIFA window for teams to be available like Spain, like England, and like Germany for them to have this competition against them. And it is perhaps the best World Cup prep that the United States has ever had heading into a World Cup year.
2: I think with, look, eight months, we keep talking about eight months leading up to the 2023 World Cup, uh, it sort of feels like now was the window to try to get these types of games in for this specific pool of players. Because you mentioned... The 2023 January camp, how that's going to be held in New Zealand, I would imagine that there may be some players who have been dealing with injury throughout 2022 who may start to get, you know, woven into or rotated into these types of camps in 2023 and if they are able to join up in in january i think you're going to want to see those players and get them as much time to get reacclimated. whether that is somebody like a tierna davidson or somebody like a casey Kruger or somebody like a kelly o'hara Emily yeah. sonnet.
1: the list is endless there's, endless. there's a big list of, of players right casey Kruger, kelly o'hara emily sonnet um tierna davidson Lynn players
2: who are maybe closer, you know. Lynn
1: Williams awesome expected women. to be back for January camp selection. She was already training with Kansas City Current yeah. in the NWSL at, at ahead of the championship. Um, and then you even look at players like Katarina Macario, Kristen Press. Um, they should be back on the field by late February. I mean, no, that's not the January camp, but hey, that's a pretty good indication of of where this team is going. So the injured players are only getting healthier, and they're only going to return to this roster, which will make the competition for those positions that much harder and stronger. And I do think we could see a lot of them
2: in New Zealand in January. It's something that we're going to keep an eye on because 2022 for the United States women's national team is over. That is a wrap. That is all she wrote. They ended the skid. And they are closing out 2022 with a win. We will see them once more in January camps in New Zealand in 2023. But don't worry, Teching Third's not going anywhere. We're going to still be with you through the offseason. And of course, keeping an eye on all things women's soccer across the globe. Thanks everybody for joining us tonight live as always thank you for listening to Attacking Third download, follow, listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. you can watch us too, please subscribe to us on YouTube so that you get alerts for whenever we do go live youtube.com slash Attacking Third we'll be back with so much more, there's End of Yourself Agency, there's Women's Super League we got it all for you, Attacking Third for Sandra and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking